Welcome to LawPod. I'm Lee Hedgemantelis, the principal of Bryden's Lawyers. Now, each and every week, as you know, we try and have some special guests with us, people that would be of interest to you as they are to me. And this week is no exception. Now, you may or may not be aware, and it would be hard to miss, that Bryden's Lawyers recently signed a sponsorship agreement with the Sydney Kings. And we are, of course, now the major rights sponsor. And they will be known for at least the next two or three years as the Bryden's Lawyers Sydney Kings, something of which we are incredibly proud and honoured. Now, we've had a little bit to do with the organisation to date and what we have seen has been very very impressive and we've also had the opportunity to catch up with a couple of the players at the launch and here today and I am proud to welcome to Bride's Lawyers Brad Newley and Casper Ware. Welcome fellas. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us in today, Lee. Hopefully it's more the three-year side of the sponsorship than the two. I think there might be an option there in our favour for year three, so it really depends on how well you boys do. <laughs> no pressure. No, no, no pressure. No, no, pressure. no, no, pressure. no, no pressure whatsoever. No. Well, look, talking basketball is something different for us, of course, but we've had an interest in basketball for some time now because we've been the major sponsor, of course, of the Sydney Uni Flames. And then with the amalgamation of the Flames and the Kings, the takeover, the buyout, whatever you want to call it, we were integrated, of course, into the Kings family. The opportunity became available to sponsor the Kings and one that we grabbed. But just tell us, in your view, where basketball sits today in Australia, where it's been, where it is, where do you think it's going? Because it does compete, of course, with other sports. It is a summer sport, so its only real competitor, I suppose, is cricket as such. But there has been an incredible level of interest, hasn't there, generated over recent years in basketball. So just give me your impressions. I'll I'll start with you, Brad. Where where do you think it sits at the moment and where do you think it's going? Well, I've kind of had a kind of a real close view of all this stuff having played through the last you know 16 years as a professional and I would say the growth has come a lot from the more exposure we've had to the the game in America the NBA and I think a lot of the kids now they they follow the NBA and I think the NBL is kind of bouncing off that like we've got a lot of Australians now playing over there so they can attach themselves to players and there's also guys who've done well as, as juniors here in Australia who've gone on to do great things in the states and I think kids see that and they can really aspire to that. And hopefully, well, it's happening now. The NBL can kind of catch on to that and the Australian game and, and, and use that to kind of promote the game here in Australia. So I would say, like, an easy one would be in 2004, I think one game per week might have been televised at the NBL. Now, what is it, 2020? Absolutely, yeah. And we start off in a couple of weeks and every game's televised live right. and you know in everyone's lounge room. So, and, and even better is, the you know, the attendance too here in Sydney, my first year, 2015, or I can't remember what it was, I think we were looking at about four and a half per game. Now it's up over 10. Yeah. So that's double in, in five years. So the, the growth is definitely there. Another thing too is our national team. We're top four in the world as a country. So anytime you're doing that, I, I think there's, there's a reason for that. And, you know, the kids, the, the juniors are the ones that really drive it. And us guys at the top are trying to, you know, give them something to aspire to. Then you've got the NBA guys on top of that. So... I mean, Casper might have a different view, but he, like he's been here for you know three years now too, so he's probably seen a lot of growth himself. Well, that's that's Brad's perspective, Casper, from inside the game, being of Australian yeah. descent, of course. But from your perspective, someone who's come from outside the game into the game in Australia, what what have you seen in your three years here, and where do you think the game is today? I definitely think it's risen from them three years I've been here, and I can only really go off of what people told me before and what was going on. And just hearing people say about the times with Gaze and Copeland was here and they, next time they went to a little dip into the basketball, then a few people come out like, it's coming back. Now they're like, I watch basketball now, I like to watch it. Usually I'll just like, oh, basketball's on and turn it off. So I have a couple fans come up to me like, oh, you guys brought the joy back to basketball. Now um, people want to watch and just figure out the game times. And I think that's pretty big. And just for the league and the sponsorships that's going on, 
and just making it known we got good players in Australia now. Just going to play them preseason games in the NBA, I think really helped and it's really opened up a lot of eyes to come look over here and say, I want to play. I got a lot of basketball friends, ex-players, like NBA players, like, I was in Australia, I want to come over there and play. They played in Europe, I want to come over there and play. So I think that's a good sign for Australian basketball, knowing that it's guys that want to come over here and play. What, what do you think the attraction is to come to Australia? I mean, is it the quality of the basketball? Is it the country itself or a combination? I think it's a combination. For me, it, at first it was just like, okay, yeah, I can live easier. And then when I got here, I was like, this this is good basketball. I think it's one of the closest things you could kind of get to NBA basketball. It's fast-paced, up and down just like an NBA game. And I think that's why um, you get so many Australian players and guys like JT last year that get an NBA contract, Torrey Craig, just guys like those. And then you have our next rising star people that come over here. I think we could duplicate kind of like what the NBA, how they play really well. Okay, because there's, there's been a change in the rules, hasn't there, in the last year or two yeah. about players in America, for example, going straight to the NBA. They used to have to do college or come overseas. There's been some change to that, I think, or like, for example, instead of doing college, they can come overseas for a year or two and earn their stripes or do their apprenticeship. Is that is that the case still? Yeah, I, yeah. in Australia, it's kind of done a unique one. Not all leagues have got it where you can come, you can have, it's called the Next Star Program. So Melo did it last year, a few others have done it. Didi, one of our guys is doing it at the moment where I guess the NBL will have a, a kid that doesn't quite have the grades or isn't interested in going to college but still feels like he's on the radar to get drafted and they'll come out here and play in Australia for a year or even two and uh, it's kind of like a two-way thing the NBL gets an exposure and, and the NBA gets one of their guys trained up and ready for the draft so I think it's been successful so far I think now they're starting to scramble a little bit in the states because I think the NBA may have they're looking at doing something so they might be doing it I'm not sure yeah. the G League's launching something where they can have guys who aren't interested in going to college yeah. you know so it's been like the NBL is kind of a trendsetter in that way I, I think it's good for the kids I actually like the idea of if, if you're ready to go and play you, you should do it cause, yeah absolutely um, we, we see it in you know 40 in Australia guys are ready to you know play as pros yeah. why not right yeah absolutely well the NRL at the moment I mean they're battling with the rule where you can't play first grade top level competition until you're at least 18 years of age and there was a fella that they were talking about very highly at 17 they were trying to make an exemption Suwali, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, trying to make an, an exception for him whatever I don't necessarily think that's a good idea because I mean rugby league is, it's a physical game so yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you, you are not physically developed at 17 yeah. but basketball is meant to be a non-contact sport is that right Mm-hmm. But there's a bit of contact. Uh, if you come, out, if you come out to our yeah. practice, yeah, I was going to say. I don't know. <laughs> we're just saying in the car. Yeah, I think right. sometimes our practices we probably kill each other more than on the court. So, um. well, I tell you what. I tell you what's a credit to you boys, and it really is how you keep your cool and your patience because there is there is that much physical contact. In other sports, for example, you see people fire up very quickly and becomes like the, that, that that altercation. Yeah. But you boys seem to hold it hold it inside pretty well. That's got to take a bit of a yeah, bit of restraint, yeah. self-restraint. I would have thought. Well, you can't like because if you retaliate, you're probably going to give uh-huh. away a foul, and okay. the other team will score easy. So you kind of got to you got to keep it all in. But you can do it subtly. <laughs> it's subtle. Okay. Well, I'm subtly. the type of guy that want to get into somebody's skin. I want him to do something wrong, get attacked. Like I'm okay. gonna talk a little mess here to try to get under skin, make him get mad, antagonize so. them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's the state of the game. Now let's talk about the game itself because it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter how much you promote the game itself or how much TV time it gets or whatever the case may be, unless the product is quality, it's a good product, it's not going to go anywhere. And as a game, it's a good game. It really is competitive. It's a lot of fun. It's on a confined court. The crowd sits really close, of course, with all the courtside sort of stuff. The the fan engagement is second to none. I went to a number of Kings games over the last couple of years. The, the fan engagement is second. You feel you are part of it. And it's an event. 
So it's more than just what goes on the court; it's off the court as well. Do you, as a player, do you feel that as well? That sort of buzz in the crowd, the the lights, the music, the, the that whole pomp and ceremony. Yeah, we do. I think before I came to Sydney, I was in Melbourne and we played Bradley. Yeah, and just was, be it, careful. It was a, <laughs> no, Oops. It, Oops. it was a final game, and Brad gets a steal and dunks it. And the crowd goes crazy. Like, we, we thought we were. I was we, like, we thought we were on too. And I, I kind of felt it like, oh. But you know what happened? We're, no, we're, we're in trouble. Oops. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're in trouble here. The crowd's going crazy right now. Like, kind of feel the floor shaking. So you feel all that energy from the crowd and, and all that. So it's it's pretty cool to have, like Brad said, these fans and more people coming out to support us and. It makes you want to play that much harder for them and just give them a good show. But it really is just a good product. I mean, the way the whole thing's set up, you know, the, the baskets, the points, the free throws, the fouls, you know, stopping the clock at the end, that last minute or so feels like it takes 30 minutes, you know, all that sort of stuff. It really is a really yeah. good product. And as I say, as long as you boys can feed off it, you know, that crowd, that yeah. vibe. All right, well, that's the state of the game in Australia. That's the game itself and whatnot. Now, most importantly, you two. Right now, Brad, we had a, a brief discussion at the season launch early, and you said that we have something in common. That's a Greek heritage. Now I can claim my Kali's Greek. Better. Kali's yeah, better, that's, Kali. that's exactly Kali it. No, Kali's no, Kali's better. No, good okay. afternoon, good evening. That's perfect. Now you've got a bit of Greek in you, or oh no, no. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm as Australian as I can. Okay, well, I, um, what's, yeah. all right. Well, tell us about your history. How did it all start, and how did you get here today? Well, your, your journey. I, I grew up in Adelaide, down in South Australia. You know, my mother and father both were basketball players. They played at pretty high levels. My dad managed to play in the NBL in its inaugural years, but he was kind of retiring in those days. He tells me anyway, because his numbers weren't great. So I kind of, I was lucky enough, and he was a bank manager. So with that meant that I would, we had to move around the country a bit. So he took a couple jobs. We moved to Alice Springs for a few years when I was a kid. Then we moved over to Queensland. And, uh, and then we moved back to Adelaide. And the whole time I was always playing basketball in and out of you know, junior teams and, and that kind of stuff. And then when I got to about 17, I probably got to a level where I was good enough to maybe think about doing it as a profession. And I was lucky enough to go to the AIS in Canberra. And kind of from there, that's when I knew that I was going to be a pro, I guess. And funny you're talking about, you know, when you're underage, whether you're ready or not to play. And I kind of felt really ready. And I, I started playing up in Townsville. They had an NBL franchise in the from the 90s to the early 2000s, which they're unfortunately are defunct now. And I played three years up there. Then I was lucky enough to get drafted by the Houston Rockets. Second round pick, number 54, got myself a hat. And, you know, got my name in, on, in the lights a little bit and uh, used that to go and play over in Europe. Signed so my first overseas contract in Greece. So that's kind of where I, I started. And day one, the coach comes up to me and he says, if you can play in Greece, you can play anywhere. Was that true? Oh, absolutely true. <laughs> and um, the very next word he told me was Avrio. Mm. So what does that mean? He goes, tomorrow. Okay. And I figured out that pretty quick. That means, yeah, tomorrow. Don't worry, tomorrow. I was like, what we, where's this? Tomorrow. That's right. There's no urgency. In no, Greece, no, no, no. Everything will take care of itself. I'm like, oh, well, you know, where's my check? Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow happened to be the game, so yeah, we had no. to win the game. But no, I had a great experience there, and I, I loved playing in Greece. And I was there two years, and then I moved to a very fierce rival in Turkey. Absolutely. And um, yeah. kind of had to wash the Greek off me and become Turkish for a year, and... I lived in a place called Istanbul, which pretty, everyone's pretty familiar with, and I played for a team called Besiktas there, and that was another experience in itself. Had some issues with some payments and those kind of things, but the funny thing was that whenever I complained about it, I got it, so I had my first kind of serious injury then, and uh, that was a bit of a test for me. I had a meniscus, I missed about six weeks, and uh, you know got that all right, and uh, finished the year out there, and I moved to, then I moved to Lithuania for uh, the next two years, and that was probably the best league I played in, is in the EuroLeague. 
I managed to play at the top top level there. I did uh, 18 months there, then I moved to Valencia in the middle of the year. It was about minus five outside in, in Vilnius at the time, and um, I got an email from my agent saying there's a chance you can go play in Valencia. And I said, do whatever you can to get me there. I managed to get over there, and I spent the next five years playing in Spain. So finished up my career in the Canary Islands in Spain, which was where I played the last four years of my career. I had my daughter there, and you know that's probably where I played my best basketball. So, okay. yeah, then I had the opportunity to come back to Australia with the Kings. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I was lucky enough to go to, you know, a, few, a couple of Olympics, a few World Cups, a couple of Commonwealth Games, did a few things on the side. But, uh, yeah, that brings me kind of here. And then there was another six months back in Greece after all that just to, uh, you know, to round it all out. But, yeah, so I'm back here now and very happy. I wouldn't think there would be too many professional basketballers that have not played outside their, their home league. What do you think is it is about travel? What's the experience give you? Like, I mean, I would think that the Greek, the Turkish, Lithuanian, Spanish leagues would be very different. Yeah, I mean, you, you're dealing with different cultures and customs and all those kind of things. I, I guess the reason why, you know, myself, I had a lot of success there. I kind of immersed myself with the locals a little bit. Like, I would go to the local, the local restaurants or go to the cafes and I try to make a point of trying to hang with more and more local guys to try and get get on site a little bit with them to give me a bit of an upstart on, on, you know, on the others. I guess that's probably why I survived quite well there. You know, I, I found when I came back home, it was a much, very easy transition. I always had a little secret. At basketball, you, you have like your sets. So you have like your, your first five and your second five. I was in the first five, but I always try and practice with the second five because I'd watch the first group, whatever mistakes they made, because I didn't really speak the language. So I didn't want to, and the coach didn't speak English, so I kind of had to adjust on the fly. So I'd always go in that second group and get it perfect. Then come game time, I was all good. So a bit of a cheat code there for anyone going over playing Europe. All right, now, now Casper, your story's a little similar. You've had a bit of travel in your experience as well. Now, you're a West Coast boy to begin with, born and bred in California. Yes. What part? Uh, SoCal, oh. Southern California. Very nice. So, yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, Sunny side. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so you started your career there? Yes. All right, so take us through. So so how did you get from SoCal to the Sydney Kings? So basically graduated from Long Beach State, went off to Italy, um, second division league, where Casales Mafrado, small, small town. It was very tough for me my first year because we only could have like two imports. So, so how old would you have been? I was... 22. Okay, so, 22 so we're the same age and we yeah. both went overseas. Yeah, yeah. So le- yeah. Leave, yeah. Leaving home. So it's, leaving a big, home. it's a big call yeah. to a foreign country, not speaking exactly. the language. Mm-hmm. Not speaking the language. So it was, it was pretty tough. A lot of calls back home got me through on the days. And I had a lot of This is before guys. FaceTime too. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like we had to like, so it was different. Would, yeah, it would yeah. have been. So I had a lot of other guys on my team too. So it wasn't like I can hang out with them. You know, they're married with kids. So. It was really tough just being by myself. I, it's a couple of times I called my dad like, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, if I want to go home. But I kind of stuck it out. And I'm glad I did. Um, my second year ended up in Bologna, first division in Italy. Had a good time there. I ended up didn't finish the season off with them and ended up with the Philadelphia 76ers. Finished the season off with them. The next year, went to training camp, cut there. Then I ended up with Brooklyn. Got traded to Brooklyn, but didn't end up going to Brooklyn. So I went over to Germany. So I got there to Germany, won the um, German Cup there with a team. It was pretty cool. Germany was a pretty good place. Loved it. Oldenburg was the city I was in. So, yeah, and then after that, moved on to China. China was a um, very different experience for me. Pay really well, though. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> Pay really well. So when you say a different experience, you mean a good experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back if they wanted me. But uh, uh, China, then after that, 
I ended up in France. I um, actually played with Renator, Ozzy named David, Dave Anderson in France, and we ended up winning the championship there together. And we ended up with the Wizards after that season, went to training camp with them, ended up getting cut. And the funny thing about it, that French year, Dave was like, yeah, you got to come out, show you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm just talking to him like, yeah, more, I'm going to hang out. Yeah, 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 like just to hang out like, yeah, you got to come see me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come. Just like kind of like, yeah, yeah, probably not going to come. And then an opportunity came where I got a call like after I got cut from the Wizards is, oh, we got a team in Australia. They want you. The season ends early, and you could probably get back to the NBA if you want. So I figured out Dave Anderson on the team, and he reached out to me and was like, bro, you said you were going to come. <laughs> you got to be a man of your word. So uh, just talk to him. He made me feel real comfortable about the situation and, and coming here to Australia to play. And then I, I came, and ever since then, it, it was history. Uh, I've been here for the last three or four years, um, enjoying myself. Uh, last two years with Sydney. I'm trying to make this home um, best as possible. So, okay. Well, just, just a question: Who was your uh, first game against in Australia, <laughs> and what happened? Uh, <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I think, hang on. There's, there's there's an old trick about never asking a question unless you know the answer. I've got a, a strong suspicion now that Brad knows the answer to this. It's not, uh, not a good answer okay. either. It ended badly for us. Oops. So you guys actually wasn't the first game. No, you, it wasn't. Was it? It, it was, was the second game. Oh, oh okay. okay. It was the second game. Okay. So we up here. No, in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Okay. We had them beat. We had them beat. And then Casper. We, we had them beat. <laughs> so this, I'm going to tell you the last 30 seconds. Okay. We're, we're up three. Kevin Lish goes pump fake. And one of my guys jumps. And he jumps into my guy. They get three free throws. So we tied up, right? So it's tied yeah. up about 15 seconds ago. And the coach is actually like, what play you want? I just tell him, like, give me the ball. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like just giving the ball and I'm away. Well, that's and, confidence. And yeah. I, I didn't know no plays at then. It, it's my yeah, he second didn't even game. Know yeah. This is where like, we should have beaten him. Yeah. But. I didn't know many of the plays. So I go, all right, give me the ball on top of the key. And then the rest was history. Hit the game winner. <laughs> Walked it down. Game winner. Game winner. Oh, we'd love to send me the – I'll Google that one. I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll, no. I'll, that's I'll, all right. I'll find it on YouTube or something and have yeah. a look at it. Watch so out that, for the comments. So, so Casper, <laughs> how many how many passports are you on through? Oh, You filled a couple of passports? I lost two of my passwords. Okay. All right. He, At least two. He oh. lost them. <laughs> okay. okay. These guys yeah. think because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to come over here. So it's I an tell old them, trick. It's an oh, old trick. I lost it. So they think I'm just extending my stay at home for I won't have to come over here sooner. Okay. I've, I've been but, in that situation well, on, going over there. Do you, so. know where your, do you know where your passport is today? <laughs> yes. Okay. You do. I, I have okay. it. Well, I that's, have well, it. that's a head start. Yeah. That's a head start. All right. Uh, gentlemen, <laughs> between the two of you, then you've played in 82 leagues across the world or something. How is basketball in Australia different? The league is getting stronger. We don't have as many teams here. That's probably the main, the big difference for me is I got used to playing against all these different teams, whereas here it's only eight or nine teams. So nine teams, sorry, about to be ten. And that was probably one of the things I had to get used to quick was the quick turnarounds in playing against the same guys quite often, whereas in Europe we'd play 36 games and you'd play everyone twice and you wouldn't see another team for, for months, you know. So... I think that was the, one of the main things that stands out to me. But as far as like the standard, very high. We like to play more of a fast pace. We like you know higher scoring. I think the fans enjoy it a little bit better. It's definitely well supported. I mean, I played in some gyms 
in Europe, there might be three people at the game. <laughs> and Oops. For, for, yeah. for various different reasons. <laughs> I can like imagine. We had some crowd violence in Greece a few times. And, well, that's and no these, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing in Oaxaca and 20,000 seat with three people at the game, you can hear your daughter talking. <laughs> I think that was an issue. But um, yeah, that's something we're pretty lucky here in Australia. We don't have those kind of issues in the stands. And like the entertainment and the package and that kind of stuff, it's, it's, a, it's a good night out. And I think the big, the big separation is, is just the quality of, of life you can have too, especially for the American guys coming out to Australia. You know, they can speak the language, you know, live life pretty normally, and that helps them more comfortable the way they play their games. You, Casper, what, what, what do you think distinguishes, what makes basketball in Australia different? Like I said before, and like what Brad said, I think just the, the fast pace. You get up and down, it's quick. Like I said, it's kind of like the NBA. High, we want high scoring. You're going to get highlights. You're going to get all the good stuff. And just I think we play hard all most of the games. You just can't come into one game like, all right, we're going to win this game. I think in this league, every team is good enough to beat you. So you, you got to come ready with your hard hat on and ready to play. Because like, there's only nine, ten teams. So every team is scouting you very well, you know, so – you got to be ready every game to play and, yeah, do your job. Okay. Well, we've had some change in personnel, of course, recently. Andrew Bogut announced his retirement. Uh, not a surprise? Uh, nah, I don't think it was a big surprise. Um, I had a little chance that he was still going to play just because I think he wanted to finish the season off um, playing in the Olympics. But after um, hearing him, I wasn't that too surprised that he retired. Uh, I expect, Brad, he'll still be involved with the Kings organisation. Yeah, he's kind of alluded to that a little bit. Right now, I think he's just kind of assessing a few options. He, he has mentioned coaching and those kind of things, but uh, I'm not sure what uh, what aspect that would be like. He, he, I think he wants to stay involved in the national team in some capacity. I, know, I, I think he's a huge asset for basketball in Australia because you know, we've never had a guy uh, of that size and with that skill set, and that, that's very hard to teach. And I think he can help a lot of young kids coming through with, with, with his abilities and what what better you know with the Australian team that the team that we all want to play for so I think that'd be great and yeah if he's around Sydney even better okay well you mentioned coaching aspirations now there has been a, a change in a, the coaching situation of course Will Weaver got an opportunity to go to the States and to the credit of the Kings organization that was fully supported by them and and they wished him well Adam Ford's come in as the head coach what what do we know about Adam well, I know he's come from Perth, a winning team, uh, came to us with his own little swag, and it kind of rubs off on you. Great coach, great guy, and he and he's willing to listen to um, what we got to say. So I think he's going to do really well in this position. I think they chose the right guy. Okay, uh, Brad, have you had any experience with him previously? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, he's really close with a good friend of mine, Matty Nielsen, who's just taken a job. He is an ex-king as well, and uh, he's over with in the G League, and I kind of learned a lot about Adam through him. I think 40... He's going to do a real good job just because he's, he's so prepared. He's waited probably 10-plus years to do this, and uh, now, now it's his chance. It might have came quicker than what he thought it was going to happen, but I, I think he's going to be great, and I think the, the big difference between probably him and Will is I think Forty's going to be a little bit more firm with, with yeah. his decisions. Okay. Whereas Will was a very... Figure it out the, yeah, yourself. figure it out yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. kind of thing. Okay, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which worked. It, it worked yeah. Whereas 40 is kind of, this is the way. And yeah, yeah both, both styles are great. And yeah. as we said, he, he came from a pretty good program in Perth. Yeah, more than happy that, you know, 40 is in charge and you know, can't wait to get started. Well, he's joining the, the organisation, the team at a great time, isn't he, of course, because you can feed on last year's success and, and, and build on that. What do you take out? I mean, last year was a successful season, but not successful to the extent that we would have liked but there are many reasons for that of course through no one's fault of their own this pandemic imposed itself but what do you take out of last and you feel like the, the job hasn't been finished is that what it is you know you've, you've got a task and 
ahead of you and that you've just got to make sure that you cement all the success from last year and build on that from this year? But we got to – it's tough because you have a different team now. So you can't say we're going to leave things the same, the same things we did last year. We're going to switch a few things up that we think we can get better at. And, like, with Bo's going, we're going to have to switch a few things up with, with that position. It's, it's just going to go as we go, I guess. You just got to wait and see how the game goes. And I think we're going to change a lot of things up. But I think our focus is just winning and not worrying about last year. If you – oh, yeah, we were good last year. It's not last year. It's everybody's different. Everybody's team's different. So we just got to focus on a new year and take it game by game. Yeah, I think that's the case, isn't it? I mean, for people from the outside looking in, Brad, the personnel inside a basketball team probably changes more than most other team sports. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think our owner, Paul Paul Smith, who's done a great job of turning the club around, and that's another reason why we've gotten to another level, I think. You know, his passion for us and the way we see him, kind of, we, we want to get up and play. He says it quite a lot. It's a bit of a transitional league. Like, guys will come here and do really well and go on to bigger and better things like JT and Will. So I, I think that's what that's why there's such a turnover because guys are getting good opportunities elsewhere. But at the same time now, I think the NBL is at a level now, whereas some good American, good Australian players can make pretty good careers just by staying in one spot. So uh, that kind of might explain a little bit of the, the transition and why we have so many changes. Fair enough. All right, gentlemen, tell me about COVID. COVID had a big part to play, of course, in the ending of last season. How has it impacted on you so far as training's concerned? What's being proposed for the league moving forwards? Do you know where you're going to be playing? Do you know if there's going to be crowds? Or has that all been confirmed as yet? Th- things have changed definitely a little bit with the way our protocols and that. You know, you, know, you can check in with your mobile phones, you know, sanitation, those kind of things are at, at an all-time high. And I think it's just, you know, we're with the rest of the community, the way we have to go about things just a little bit smarter and you know and you're not you got to be you know mindful of the situation that you're in with where you're going and but I, I think you know we, we're trying to move through it and we're doing the best we can okay and and you Casper have you found it I mean has there been lockdown I mean restrictions on you is it a, a lot to adapt to well coming from the United States yeah you would have <laughs> nothing I mean, this, this yeah. is this you've is pretty nothing, good for you've me got nothing to complain <laughs> about here. day one when Casper was here because we sit next to each other in a locker yeah. room he had he whipped out his mask to like leave the training. I was like, oh, not here. I don't think he yeah. really. I don't want to say that I'm not promoting that, but he was a little bit concerned. I said, like, oh, I think it's going to be all right, Cass. Uh, yeah. so. When was the last time you were home? I think I left November 11th, around there. This yeah. this year. This year. Okay, November so, 11th. You, so you've seen the worst of it over there. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the worst. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's that terrible. It's, things are that bad. If you go there, when I left, you go there like nothing was wrong. Yeah. Um, to be honest, everybody. Everybody was out and about, which oh. was what, which was which is what, right. which is that's what's it. caused what's yeah. happened that, now. Which is which is the problem, but yep. not to speak on. But would you have a president that doesn't want to wear a mask? Ooh. I mean, Ooh, <laughs> we, we try not to be too political. <laughs> we'll stay Ooh. out of that. Oh, we try not to be too. Did you He's, vote? Did you vote? I did. Good I definitely did. Mail in, mail in, because nah, he wasn't I, he wasn't happy about the mail in voting. Nah. I, I walked in, my in person. In person. Ask ask Casper about his time in isolation. Oh, okay. The, over there? No, no, no here. here. When he had to so come. He, he had to isolate 40, for two you, weeks. You did the 14 days? The 14 days. And where'd they put you? Fourth Shangri-La. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, no, it, it wasn't was that Shangri-La. Nice. Okay. No, no windows that open at all. <laughs> okay. No fresh air. So no fresh air for 14 days. For 14 days. But it was a good self-reflection period. Like, you've uh, come out a better days. man. And it, I'm not so sure. It, it was a lot of meditation going on oh, in that room. Got on the exercise bike. 
Because I'm sure going into it, you think, okay, 14 days, I've yeah. got this. But then by about what, day four or five, you think, oh, I'm not, exactly. not going to last. Exactly. You think I about it, imagine. Like, you get nah. there like the fourth, fifth day. You're I'm like, staying in Australia now you're, forever. Now you're thinking about it too much. Like, so, what, uh, so what access to another human being do you have? Like, I mean, they, what, none. They, they slip the food under the, under the door. You, I hear this. Oh, no. Walk out. Pick my food up. Do you up. try and look at them while they run away? I do. Hey. I was, I was looking. At, someone. I was looking outside too long. The security like, hey, get back in. Falling. I was like, hey. Oh dear. Oh, look, yeah. Look, a, a credit to you. Let me tell you. I, I don't know if I could do fourteen days. All right, gentlemen. We spoke about your careers. We spoke about where you are at the moment. If I asked you growing up, who had the biggest influence on your career, or who was your icon? Are they one and the same? Well, I'll start with you, Casper, for example. Who had the biggest influence on your career? My biggest influence was my dad, okay. I will say. Yes, he, he always pushed me to, to play, and I used to go every weekend to watch him play. That was, like, my fun fun time, I guess, on the weekend as a kid is to go watch basketball, watch my dad play. So, yeah, that's, that's that was my okay. – And your basketball icon? Kobe. Kobe Bryant. Okay. Kobe Bryant all yeah. the way. I like got growing up watching him, just the work ethic and uh, – Never want to lose attitude. Um, yeah, that, that was my icon right there. Okay. And you, uh, young Bradley? Well, I'm a little bit similar to Cass. You know, my dad, he was a bit old by the time I was born, so he'd kind of retired. But uh, he, what he was, he was a president of a basketball club. I would go out with him and watch the guys train, the, the senior guys. And it was the level below the NBL, but one new guys that were playing in the NBL. And I guess, you know, being in that environment from such a young age just made me love basketball. And, uh, and then my mum came into it because she was my first coach. So... My mum was coaching before I was even born, so she that's probably where I get my competitiveness from. So, And as an influence for the way I play, you know, Kobe's right up there. I was lucky enough to play against him in a, in a couple of Olympic Games. You know, play, coming up against him was it was a huge thrill for me personally. Did you ever guard him? He, <laughs> yeah, um, I held him to 25 points. <laughs> <laughs> he only played half a game. Hey. Well, right. He well, played, well, he that one quarter half, uh, I think he did that in the fourth quarter. <laughs> okay. uh, but I got 10. Okay. Just saying. Well done. But I came up against the probably the one who, the way I play the game, I like to attack the basket. And early on, you know, when I was a rookie, I'd watch NBA and that kind of stuff. And it was uh, Manu, Manu Ginobili. And, uh, like, he's a lefty, but just the way he was kind of fearless at attacking the rim and his, his flair and, you know, the success he had in Europe before he went to the States, I kind of looked up to him and I was lucky enough to play him as well and he probably got about 40 against me. So um, anyone who kicked my ass, basically, I look up to. So. Good on you. Well, it's going to so, be interesting so to you see. look up to me. Oh, man, I, I, no, Casper. <laughs> I get confidence from me next to you, that's for sure. No, Casper, you told me that outside. It's interesting because, we obviously, during the course of the year, we had The Last Dance, the documentary with, you know, about Michael Jordan or whatever, and it's going to be interesting to see what influence that may have on crowds, for example, and the interest in the NBL as well. Because I don't think a lot of us, and me, myself included, appreciated the significance of basketball in people's lives and what it's, what it's brought to people and how, what, it, what a quality game and sport that it is until you see people speak about it in the terms that they did uh, as well. I've never, prob I've never seen a more intense human being, let alone sportsman, than Michael Jordan. The way he spoke, what was telling was, of course, with his teammates to say, you know, was he a popular character? No. Did he deliver six championships? Yes. And then that's, that's all that matters. So, as I say, I think basketball in Australia now has benefited, obviously, from organisations like the Kings, from players like you two as well, but also the, the fact that we have access and exposure to so much of it throughout the world. It's, it really is a world game. 
And I think Australians love to go on that journey. Yeah, the, the series was great. I, I don't think I know anyone who didn't watch it. I, I guess that in a way it shows the way Jordan's mentality was. It was just, you know, win at, win at all costs and friendships aside, it doesn't matter. I, I feel in Australia it, it might not work, work as well. As well. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know, tend to have different kind of, you know, characters and the way our personality is. But uh, it, it was definitely great for a lot of people to mm. see him up that close. And, you know, one of our good friends, Luke Longley, you know, he's, he's an, I think he's, what do we call him with the club? Like an oh, advisor or yeah, he's, he's, ambassador. He's got, he's got a role yeah. and he'd kind of let slip a few little Jordan stories over the years. So, well, that might explain uh, why he wasn't in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. We saw, <laughs> we saw a fair bit of it coming, but you know, it, it was great to watch. And yeah, the, the Australian public probably really appreciate the, fu- the funny thing I laugh at is when I go down like near my house, there's like a little half court and everyone's out there, old guys doing fadeaway Jordans. And oh, okay. They've obviously just watched The Last Dance, but <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's good. And that's the effect that what he had. And he's yep. another guy I probably should have named in my icon list. I mean, yep. how can you go past Michael yep. Jordan? I mean, my kids know who Michael Jordan is. And you know, my son's not even three, he knows yep. the name. So yep. yeah, that's, that's the legacy he left. No, I think we've been very fortunate because in our lifetime, we've experienced some of these people and not only in, in basketball, of course, but in an array of sports. When you mentioned SoCal, my mind goes immediately to Tiger Woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, has there been a more dominant personality in a sport in the history of sports? Probably not. So. So we've been very fortunate in our lifetime to have witnessed some of these some of these greats. All right, well, you boys are in the prime of your careers, of course, and but looking back on your careers to date, is it something that you look back on with with joy and with with pleasure? Is it? I mean, is it? Is, has it turned out the way you had ex- had expected? Has basketball been everything that you had hoped for? Um, honestly, I didn't think I'll be played in that many different places um, playing basketball. I'm, I'm glad it took me all over the world just to experience the different cultures and the people. And it's a great sport. Like I said, I love the game. When I was little, I was just playing it because I, I liked the game and it turned into love and then kind of turned into just a happy place for me and, and me and my family growing up. So, But what about you, Brad? Has it turned out the way that you had hoped? Oh, yeah, very similar. If you had told me when I was in year 10, living in Adelaide, walking to school every day with my friends that I'd be in Olympic Games, you know, six years later, I think you'd be crazy and you know those kind of experiences is what basketball brought to me and as I said before like I, I think what well, I'd say but I was going to say it later but if the, the the way like the love I have for basketball and Casper's probably similar is, is what's driven us to, to get to these levels and you know once that starts to wear off I think that then you have problems and you know throughout your professional career there are days where you just you don't have good days and you know when Casper was sitting in his apartment in Germany or when I was you know, on the Bosphorus and, you know, Istanbul, thinking about things. There are days where you're like, oh, you know, what's going on here? But what drives you is, is the love to, to play your sport. And that's what we've played our whole lives. And, yeah, and I think that's what's keeping us going. Oh, that's good to hear. And we expect the Kings, of course, to win every game this season. But which team gives us that extra joy of beating? Which, which team do we get that little <laughs> bit extra pleasure out of beating? Well, oh. there's yeah. probably two. Okay. Well, one's more fresher than the other. So, clearly yeah. Perth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they got the default championship. <laughs> is that how it's known now? Oh, I, 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 refu- I refuse to. Okay. Like, okay. Like, I'm sorry. So, they got the default championship. Yeah. So, okay. I just can't. I have problems with that. But You know, anyway. when they when they posted that picture, you know, I unfollowed the NBA. Oh, that mate, I didn't look at anything. <laughs> my mum my told me. I couldn't look at that picture. Been, yeah. I was, I was oh, so okay. mad. And... Casper will, yeah, with Melbourne as well. Okay. There's a little <laughs> Melbourne-Sydney thing that we okay. have. So. That works there as well. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll put, we'll put them all down and we'll just make sure we beat them this season so we have no, no dramas. Gentlemen, it has been a 
unadulterated joy for me to have you both here and to get to know you a bit better. I just want to thank you for your time in coming in today. I want to thank the King's organisation for making you both available. And we will be there cheering courtside, of course, throughout the entire season. So thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, no, no, it's been a joy and hopefully for all of our listeners out there you would have enjoyed it as much as I did so remember to follow us on LawPod and to follow us on all our social media platforms whether that be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or you've got TikTok Casper I don't have a TikTok oh, okay. I don't okay. I saw you dancing <laughs> in lockdown <laughs> mate. I thought it was your, your sister or someone well, you, my niece oh, okay. my niece okay. TikTok the excuse. he just needed an excuse to dance that's all uh, and remember if you want us to address any particular subject matter or if any, any special guests in contact us directly at lawpod at so from me it's goodbye and thank you again for tuning in mm-hmm.